I know that these past few weeks have been preaching on uh, church and government. Uh, we've said several times that God has raised up three institutions, that being the family, uh, that being the church, and that being civil government. All three are under attack. And uh, I want to continue with this series this morning, talking about building on the proper foundation. Uh, we'll have a few more messages uh, as the weeks unfold. Uh, but anyway, it's been a series that I've enjoyed. It's not something that we hear often, not something I've ever preached before. But uh, I think it's something that is needful today. So again, in the 11th Psalm, in verse 3, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? When our nation was founded, our forefathers gave us uh, some documents such as the Declaration of Independence, uh, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. They shared a common understanding of government, social order, uh, morality, and so forth. Their understanding came from the universal acceptance throughout early America of what would come to be known as the Judeo-Christian ethic, uh, which is a system of moral, social, and cultural values that originated in the Old Testament, originated in the New Testament, and provided guidelines for maintaining an orderly and also a successful society. I'm grateful that our forefathers didn't just pull some rabbit out of a hat and say this is the way we're going to govern. I'm grateful they didn't just take history uh, that they had uh, from other countries that didn't work, say, we'll try it here. I'm grateful that they founded the nation upon the Judeo-Christian ethic that we know of as the Word of God. Now, I am not sure if all the framers of the Constitution were born-again Christians or not. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing, their thought and their worldview certainly was a Christian. The first generation of Americans that came our way to the New World, they came here in search of of a religious liberty. And they were guided step by step by the word of the living God. Furthermore, if you look at their writings, you look at their public speeches, uh, you look at the way that they voted, and it all confirms that they had Christian worldview and a background from the scriptures. And they believed that the Bible was the solid foundation upon which any nation should be founded and upon which any nation would be able uh, to survive. Now these are the self-evident truths that Thomas Jefferson and his fellow patriots were boldly uh, talked about in the Declaration of Independence. They were the philosophical and the moral underpinning of America's experiment in ordered uh, liberty. And they served as a solid foundation upon which this great nation was built. I remind you uh, the way they gave us the Word of God. Uh, we see it in their speeches, uh, the presidents. Uh, we see it in their writings. Uh, we see it in the Constitution. Uh, we see it in the polit politicians and public officials uh, for generation. Uh, we see them articulated in our laws. They're articulated in our, our ordinances, in our, in our treaties, and in all type of the statues that we have. And it served as the bedrock of American jurisprudence until the modern times in which we're living in now. Our foundations are under attack today like they have never been under attack before. And you and I know perfectly well that if and when a foundation is destroyed, what is built upon that will collapse. Uh, the three oldest institution, the home, is under attack. 
attack. The, the church is under attack. And government is under attack today. If these Judeo-Christian uh, Judeo principles were self-evident to the founding fathers of our nation, why are they not readily mentioned today? We rarely hear anything on the TV or the news about God, about the Bible, or about the foundation upon when our nation was built. We hear quite the contrary. We hear that God is the problem. The Bible is the problem. Uh, Christians are the problem. We're a bunch of archaic homophobes. Uh, we're a group of people that are out of touch with the reality. Uh, we've got to bring reality in, the, in our nation up to where our culture is today. And we've allowed the culture to change the Bible. We've allowed our culture to change our nation. And we've allowed our culture, by and large, to change uh, the pulpits of America today. But these, I believe with all of my heart, the answer to that question, why do we don't hear more about it more readily, is complex. But I believe it's safe to say that our culture is changing rapidly, especially in the areas of education and in the area of media, have downplayed the, the importance of moral and spiritual values throughout our country. We have thrown moral slap out the window. People simply do not have morals of the way they did at one time. Man does not love mankind. Uh, people will rob and salvage and rape and lie and cheat anything they can do to get ahead. But remember the day when we had the Word of God and we knew the Word of God and our society founded itself upon the Word of God? You could leave the doors unlocked at night. You could leave the windows up at night. You could leave your car unlocked at night. Nobody going to bother you because there was a respect for human life. There was respect for people's property, but that is not the case anymore in the world in which we live. We've thrown morals out the window in the name of selfishness and in the name of lust. We see the impact of this growing disrespect of morals everywhere in our society today. Principles that once allowed the nation to become the greatest beacon of freedom. Uh, today, self-determination and opportunity in human history has been rejected and then forgotten in this rush to redefine what liberty is all about. The foundation of the Jado Christian values shaped America morally and social order has been neglected, has been rejected and redefined, and now we have a false view of what liberty uh, is supposed to look like. Common sense and traditional values are still strong among many people today, but they're mocked by politicians, uh, they're mocked by people in the media, they're mocked by people in the education, and they're mocked by the entertainers of our society today. There are many that are trying to tell Tell us that our entertainers are more acute uh, to being uh, basically uh, self-appointed cultural experts. Uh, they seem to say we know more than the forefathers and we know more than the God, than the God who raised up this nation. I'd simply say hogwash uh, to all of that. The, at least two generations of America have little to no knowledge whatsoever uh, of men like Thomas Jefferson, their virtue of Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin or John Adams or any of the members of the Constitutional Convention. Uh, they believed in the cause of liberty. They believed in the case of liberty. And they gave their life in order this nation might be founded upon the Judeo-Christian principles as founded in the Word of the living God. Uh, but today we don't see those things in our land at all. According though to national polls and according to some statistical 
evidence there are many Americans that are waking up and they're seeing the national house we live in uh, coming to a crumble and we're wanting to say something and do something about it. Brothers and sisters, there's a breakdown of common courtesy in our own families today. There's fear of our lives as we walk in our streets today. And many are worried that Washington has confused well-being uh, with welfare and lost the interest in the common good of the people. There are more politicians today that love their party more than they love America. And they love their ideas more than they love America. And some of them are more in love with themselves uh, than they are with the nation. We've got a bunch of hot dogs up in that area, my friend. And Kraft don't have enough mustard to put on one of them. Men and women were elected to protect, preserve, defend our Constitution and the values and the way of life from outward appearance. Our mission, their, their mission is to dis disrupt and to destruct and to destroy and to transform our free way of thinking into a communist Marxist regime rather than a republic upon which our nation was founded. Too many Americans are sick and tired of politics and sick and tired of the lies and the empty promises and the rape of our Constitution of the United States of America. Friend, we need a revival. A revival of what we've lost in the political realm. A revival of what's been taken away from us in the name of political correctness. There are many voices that are crying out today that we return to the basics. That we return to the philosophy of our founding fathers. And yet, uh, we are demanding that there be a restoration of that which has been lost. Take advantage of this moment, my friend, and let's understand what made America great to begin with. More times than not, we don't remember what it is that made America great. We're living on the coattails of our forefathers. They went into office as, as rich men and they came out as paupers. They went in with life and they came out worn out. And there are many of them died because they believed in America. They believed in the principle of our country. They believed in the work ethic. They believed in this nation that was founded upon God's word. And many died as a result of it today. Brothers and sisters, there's so much of our history that's been revised. And so much of it made political correction to this generation. Many now teach how bad America is. How bad America has been. And many go around apologizing for America and for what we've been part of. But do not be deceived by the Marxist philosophy that's behind every bit of this. It wants to destroy a great nation. In the first inaugural address President George Washington said the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained do you see the wisdom and the common sense in that one statement in this one sentence he warned the nation of the perils of forgetting and forsaking the eternal rules of order of right that or are ordained in heaven but what are those eternal rules of order that are ordained in heaven? They're the principles that are taken from the Word of God. The principles of the Judeo-Christian ethic. When we look at our present conditions, we look at the many of the modern-day politicians, as we look at a biased national media and a not-so-truthful public educational system, when we see the demise and the moral standards in our land today, we can't afford to discard the principles spelled out so clearly in our Judeo-Christian heritage. How can we regain our national confidence? How can we regain the moral backbone that our nation one time had? How can we have the social and the spiritual greatness we once enjoyed when this nation was formed? 
You ready? It starts with you and me. That's right. It starts with we as Christians. Yeah. It starts with us living, understanding that there's a God who gave us the Bible. And we embrace the Savior of that Bible. And we live out that Bible. It's not something that just affects us in church on Sunday morning. But it's going to affect the way we live, the way we dress, the way we act, and the way we talk. And everything that we do throughout the rest of our week. Why? Because it's not a religion. It's a relationship with a resurrected Christ. We have got to live this thing. Be able to die for this thing if need be. But if you and I will live it, if we'll preach it, if we'll share it with the world one by one one people will get saved and their whole thinking will change their life will change because it's based upon the teachings of God's word the Judeo-Christian principles laid down by our forefathers are under attack today let's look at some of them first of all the dignity of human life without respect for human life I mean from conception to natural death without the respect for human life any claim of decency and morality would make it meaningless. It's the belief of people around the world that have believed that Americans love human life, that we uh, honor human life, and we show dignity in human life that makes people want to come to this nation. America, to my knowledge, is one of the fewest nations in the world that I know that puts a wall up to keep people out. Other nations put walls up to keep people in. What has made a nation of America great? Because we love life. We love the dignity of life, and we have down through the years, and that's brought millions of people to our country from all over the world. That's why we send out missionaries. That's why we send out aid to workers. That's why we send workers around the world. Uh, that's why we, uh, we, we, we feed the world. And, and that's why we have uh, a military going around the world and medical teams. We believe in the dignity of human life. But friend, we're far, far away from having any moral backbone. Come on. In the last 47 years alone, 63 million babies have been killed in the womb of their mother in the name of political correctness and women's rights. It has left a bad taste around the world for America, but more than that, it's left a stench in the nostrils of God. And I believe that payday is coming. It's often been said if God does not bring judgment on America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not here advocating a prophet of doom, and I'll tell you one thing. God will not continue to wink at sin. And the more I see on the news and the more I read about our political leaders on many, many of them, and the things I hear them say, protect abortion, protect the woman's right. We've got to kill the baby, blah, blah, blah. You can, you can spice it up and make it sound pretty. But friend, murder is murder. I don't care what you call it. Murder is murder and 63 million babies have been murdered in the womb of their mother and God said I'm not going to tolerate it. A day of reckoning is on the way. What that day will look like I do not know but God I believe said I'll shake everything that can be shaken and all that will be left is the unshakable. It makes my blood boil when I listen to some of these confirmation hearings and they're attacking people saying, oh, what about abortion? What about abortion, friend? We better get back to what the Word of God says and not what some politician says. God said for the children that pass through the fire, destruction will come upon them. And I believe if we're not careful, we're going to see the same thing happen uh, right here in America. May we repent for our nation and may we vote our conscience in such a way that will vote those screwballs out of office and put people in there that may have a right to stand up for the voiceless and that is the children in the womb of a mother. 
I'm not endorsing candidates, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't know how in good conscience. I'm serious. I don't know how in good conscience. I said, I don't know how in good conscience. We can continue to say, God bless this guy. God bless that woman. And God bless our nation if we vote contrary to this book. Amen. Don't send me emails because I'm not going to read them. We need to stop the national shame and vote some of these people out and put some of these other people in. Secondly, the tradition family units come under attack. There's nothing more natural and more essential to the health and well-being of any society than traditional two-parent family made up of a man and a woman joined together in holy matrimony. That's God's plan. It's been God's plan from the beginning. Family was the first institution that God created, and family is one of the first institutions that was attacked by the enemy of our soul. And it's been attacked like never before. God created a man and a woman that they might be parents to children. That we might teach our children the fear and admonition of the Lord. We don't leave child rearing to the school, and we don't leave child rearing to the reform school, and we don't leave child rearing to somebody else. We have that God-given responsibility to raise our children in the fear of God. When a man and woman come together in holy matrimony, there is opposites. Daylight is from dark, but the two become one flesh. They begin to think alike. They begin to act like the strengths of one and the weakness of another. They come together. They compensate, and the two become one. Why? A family unit to bring glory to God. A threefold cord is not easily broken. I'm going to say some things. You may not like it, but it's amazing what you say while you're under the anointing. But when the anointing lifts, oh my God. Some of you don't understand that. I don't understand prenuptial agreements. Now we'll get married. We're going to sign this paper. When we divorce or if we ever do, you're getting this and I'm getting that. That's defeat before you start. You should not enter into marriage lightly. You think about it. You understand there's going to be trouble. Friend, the marriage is the easy part. It's living every day together. Oh, pastor, my marriage is made in, in heaven. So thunder and lightning, Leroy. So thunder and lightning. But I'm in love. Love is commitment. Says I choose to love you every day of my life. It's a choice. You don't fall in love now, love. It's a commitment. I thank God he didn't sign a prenuptial with me. I thank God he didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, you don't look too good today, boy. I don't think I need to do with you. You know, you fail, you sin all day long today. I'm, I'm, no, God stuck with me. And he continues, and he wants us to stick together as family units. The enemy comes in to try to sow discord of divorce and shame, and everybody suffers for it. Our nation suffers for it. Look around and see the family is being attacked by modern-day think-they-know-it-all crowd today. Pray for your marriages. Pray for each other. Love each other. And if you've gone through a divorce or separation, I'm not here to beat nobody up. I'm just saying, friends, let's get this thing together and say, God, help us. God, help us. Our work ethic, something else has been attacked today. Dating back to the landing at Plymouth Rock, what has sometimes been called the Protestant work ethic has long been one of the most definitive characteristics of the American way of life. The Bible says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone not willing to work, let him not eat. Friends, manual labor is not the president of Mexico. The Pilgrim Fathers knew they would not survive if each man and each woman did not do his and her share of work when they first settled. 
And that was a powerful testimony of the demonstration of a work ethic. In times of stress, in times of the Great Depression that we saw back in the 1930s, or a time of floods, or fires, or, or wars, or, or natural disasters, epidemics, or pandemics, I know that jobs can be hard to find. But everybody can do something to help somebody else. Amen. We've always been a nation that stepped up to help. Many times we that don't have give to those that didn't have. And we that had more gave it to somebody that had a little less. But we've always been a people that understood the importance of work and working for the glory of the living God himself. May I say this to you? Any government policy, in my opinion, that averts work is wrong. It puts individuals and it puts families in bondage. Look what's happening in America today. Well, Pastor, you've got to be considered the pandemic. I am. I don't have a handle. I'm not trying to be a, a, a Monday, Monday quarterback. But I am simply saying, friends, you shut down a nation and you take away our right to work and you're going to put us in a depression quicker than you've ever seen anything in all your life. Any government policy that subverts the right to work or holds individual families in bondage in the name of welfare is a subversion of this basic human right. In my opinion, that also is true during a pandemic. I don't understand how some of the box stores and grocery stores can always be open. And there's hundreds of people in there at a time. And you've got churches in California, they won't even let you meet. You've got churches that can't meet to this day. You've got churches right now that are suing states and suing governors because they can't meet. You know why? We're not important. Let me tell you something. If you've got a job, that work is essential. Yes, it is. I, you're talking about prejudice to come up and say, well, that's a central job. That's not essential. That to me is one of the most prejudiced things I've ever heard. I don't care if you're slinging cow manure, that's an important job. If you're picking paper off the street, that's an important job. It's essential. Whatever you do, you put your hands to the work, that is essential. And yet we find this particular theory and all this junk going on in the political mushmillion head saying, you can't work and you can't work. That's taken us away from our God-given constitutional right. Amen. I've been attacked. The right for God-centered education has been attacked. America has suffered much of the hands of political correct agenda when it comes to education. While our society has suffered because of it, it's our young people who have suffered the most. Without sound knowledge of history, without a sound knowledge of tradition, uh, the children and youth in America have become disconnected, they become skeptical, and without a sense of belonging. And any society that fails to educate its children between a proper relationship between themselves and God has failed that generation. Amen. When I was in school, and many of us were in school, remember the days? We read the Bible in the morning, and we prayed in the morning. And you know what the biggest problem in schools were in that day? Talking in line, running in the hall, bubble gum, and pulling the pigtails on Mary Sue's hair. That was it. But what happened? They kicked God out of the school, and they took prayer out of the school. You know what happened? Look at it. Murder, rape, dope, drugs, murder. You name it. It's out there in the school system today to where you've got to hire people uh, to, to keep guard over our children as they come to school. We are crazy, friend, in the things that we've done. That's right. I went to Ukraine. Let me back up. No, I was over in Spain. No, I went back up again. <laughs> Where was I at? I was in Romania. It'll come to you in this moment. I was in Romania. Tom Scott and myself went to Romania. 
was teaching over there and doing some things and preaching. They took us into a government-run school. And we walked in and you could have picked up a pen off the floor. It was so quiet. The, the students had their Bibles on their desks. The students, you walked in, how are you, sir? How are you, sir? They showed respect to the teachers. They honored God in that government school. I mean, man, I, I must be watching Father Knows Best or something here. Believe it to Beaver. I mean, I'm back in time. It was phenomenal. You know why? They're still teaching this to their children. They're still teaching this to their children. If we have not taught our kids a vertical relationship with God, they'll never learn to respect teachers. They'll never learn to respect authority. They'll never learn to respect their parents. But if we teach them how to have a vertical relationship with God, then they'll know how to have a proper horizontal relationship with their peers. They will know respect. They will know love. They will know dignity. They'll know that human beings are precious in the sight of God. Life will be precious. Your word will mean something. And yet I think that's where we're failing even today. Our founding fathers knew this to be true. Therefore, they saw the importance of a God-centered education. They believed the purpose of education of all levels was to include the virtues and the moral values that are, that are essential for good citizenship. That's why all the universities of the founding area were established by Christians and mostly by Christian pastors. Many of the local schools and communities were held in the church building. And many times the pastor was also the teacher of that particular place. And they used the word of God for their textbook. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, even in, in Israel, they still use the Bible, the Old Testament, as a reading manual. Well, we're saying... See Dick hit the ball and watch Jim jump over the hoop. They're reading in the beginning God. And they get that in their heart and their mind and their soul. And they know who God really is. Every academic discipline, whether it be science, math, history, literature, or arts, has deep Christian roots in our early founding days as America. And many of the grade schools, as I say, were taught by pastors. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, many of these Ivy League universities, they were founded primarily to train ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Lord. And they had churches backing them in the process. Why? Because they wanted to get the gospel out to the masses of people. But look at Harvard, look at Yale, look at Princeton, look at these Ivy League schools. They're 180 degrees opposite of what they were founded to be. God help us. When our school, with the name of tolerance and diversity, denies students the privilege of proper understanding of the Judeo-Christian heritage, they've handicapped that next generation understanding of the world and God's intent for this nation. I'll tell you something else has been eroded, that's God's covenant. The Bible said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. America was blessed from its beginning because our beginning was blessed of God upon whose foundation we built. Christopher Columbus believed that God brought him to these shores for the purpose of establishing a godly nation. The pilgrims began their journey to the new world with the covenant known as the Mayflower Compact. 
survived many obstacles, upheld uh, the strong faith, and continued to pray in spite of all the odds that were against them. And God saw them, God heard them, God blessed them. And here we are today, a blessed nation because of them. We are now reaping the fruit of their labor. But friend, I don't know how long that fruit is going to continue to come because we have cut ourselves off from the vine. We've cut ourselves off from the vine. The Puritans, they came later, they believed they were like the Jews leaving Egypt heading to a land of promise. To the, to the Puritans, England was Egypt. King James was Pharaoh. The Atlantic Ocean was the Red Sea. The Indian was the Philistines. And they were coming to this new world with God in their line and their heart and their mind. And they were going to set up housekeeping. And they were going to raise up a nation upon the Judeo-Christian principle. And they were going to evangelize the Indian. And they were going to reach the world with the gospel. And this was a place that God was going to use this nation mightily. And he has up to this point. But we've forgotten where our blessings have come from. The founding fathers knew their history. Now some liberal uh, scholars will say that the founding fathers were religious, but they were quick to raise up a government based on the doctrine of separation of church and state. That's not true. All 13 colonies had established churches supported by taxpayers at one time, but the founders witnessed, if you will, the dark side of all of that, and they realized it did not work in England. So as a result of that, they suffered because of religious persecution. That wasn't what they wanted in that world. Their concern was not to silence the church in the public square. Their concern was the fact that they did not want one denomination to have precedent over another. Understand this, if you will. One by one, each colony and state ended tax funding subsidies for the churches. The churches were tax funded. And one by one, they cut those out. In 1883, President John Adams' home state of Massachusetts became the last to de-establish the state church that was the Congregational Congregationalist denomination, which had been tax-supported since the very founding. That's what they meant. We don't want the government to give subsidies to the church through taxes. We don't want the denomination to be powerful over the other or get more of a say over the other. That's separation of church and state. That's all they meant. You can't read very far into any of the life of the signer of the Declaration of Independence without discerning that they were deeply religious men who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It, they understood that it was essential for good government. That was George Washington meant when he referred to them as the indispensable supports. The journals of our first president leave no doubt that he was a man of sincere Christian faith. Yeah. Friends, we have politicians today who have contempt for those who hold strong opinions in religious circles. I don't know about you, but it kind of makes me a little hot when I see some of these people grilling uh, different people about their religious beliefs. They ought not mention that because it goes against the teaching of the Constitution of America. Muslim politicians who've taken over office the past two election cycles, they have made it no secret of their dislike, their disdain for men and women who support the president or for those because they have a strong religious belief system. They don't want that. They want to wreck America. They want us away from our Judeo-Christian principles. They want us to get rid of our American faith. And to many, they're teaching now what is known as a revisionist history. 
And they're picking and choosing history as they want it. And they're sharing different things, and they're rewriting it as they go. I don't like to endorse books, but I will on this one. One of the greatest books of history I've ever read is The Light and the Glory by Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall went into the deep dungeons of the libraries of America. Some of the oldest institutions that we found blew the dust off of uh, the diaries of men like uh, Christopher Columbus and others and pinned it, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, pinned it the way that it was. They didn't revise it. The Light and the Glory by Peter Marshall. I think there's two volumes if memory serves me correctly. The challenge before us, my friend, is that our voice and our vote really matters. James Madison, the principal author of the Constitution, said, We have stacked the whole future of American civilization, not upon the power of government, far from it, but upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. God give us such politicians today. Friend, we don't need politicians. We need some great statesmen. Amen. I'm going to step over here and say something, and I don't want you to get mad at me. But politicians and diapers need to be changed often. Yeah. And normally for the same reason. Let that sink in. We're in serious business, friend. We don't need politicians. We need men and women that will come back to this. And thank God they're out there. And many of them are running. I'm not endorsing any candidate. But I will say, brothers and sisters, we better find out who they are and what we can do to help. One of the political people said back in 2006, we don't need God, we have our party. God help us for the arrogancy. You can look at the FloridaElectionCentral.com, FloridaElectionCentral.com for information. It doesn't endorse, it gives facts. They don't give out the voter guys like they one time did, but there's a place out there called My Faith Votes myfaithvotes.org it also gives a lot of the things that's happening uh, here in Florida I think we need to be well apprised of, of, of the constitutional ballots and different things that are out there we have a responsibility friends